0: As Amy Potter just mentioned, one of the plantations the RESET team studied was the Whitney Plantation in Louisiana. It sits on the state's historic River Road, which runs along the winding Mississippi River between New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Dotting River Road are 13 restored plantations open to the public, but Whitney is the only one that's completely dedicated to the history of slavery and enslaved people. Our producer, Charlie Shelton-Ormond, traveled to Whitney to learn more.
1: As you walk along the grounds of Whitney Plantation, you're guaranteed to hear two things. The steady buzz of summer cicadas and the chime of an old iron bell. Visitors are encouraged to ring the bell once in memory of the people who endured slavery on the plantation.
0: I think that our memorial focus is even above our focus on enslavement.
1: Ashley Rogers has been the executive director of Whitney since the plantation opened as a museum in late 2014.
0: The memorial focus is what makes us so unique because we don't have a lot of spaces in this country where it is acceptable to uh, remember and to mourn the history of enslavement and the people who were enslaved. And that is where we center our visit and we really want people to not only learn but to also reflect.
1: As the only plantation in Louisiana that's devoted entirely to slavery, Rogers says Whitney has a duty to educate its visitors without sugarcoating history.
0: The reason why plantations are here is to enslave people. I mean, that's it, right? So if you do a tour, and slavery is optional on the tour, uh, as some of them are, well, isn't that kind of funny? Because slavery was definitely not optional in a plantation. It is the entire reason the plantation exists. And also, something that I talk about when I talk to interpreters and things is that even if we think numerically um, about who lived on the plantation, plantations are black spaces. The majority of people who experienced life on a plantation were black. And so if all we're talking about are the white people who lived on the plantation, we are really missing the majority of life experience on that plantation.
1: The plantation sits on 250 acres of land in a small town of Wallace on the west bank of the Mississippi River. Joy Banner grew up in Wallace and is a descendant of enslaved folks at Whitney. Now she's the museum's director of communications. She says for descendants like herself, The popular plantation sites on River Road are oftentimes contentious symbols.
2: I'm from this area, and plantations are in the foreground um, along this river road and and as part of our lives. I mean, they're always there. And because of it, I think that we as a community have a complicated relationship with plantations. You know, these are very painful reminders. And then it's difficult when you see plantations and they are continuing to get economic benefit. And you know, and they're literally, you know, it's in the middle of descendants and we're not receiving any of those economic benefits.
1: In addition to her job at Whitney, Banner is also active in the community. She regularly attends parish council meetings and is the president of a community focus group.
2: We talk about plantations exclusive of the community, you know, and exclusive of what is happening in the present. And I would hope that all plantations and all these sites would feel an obligation to the descendants Um, I'm proud to be a descendant here, and you know, I I know sometimes people have a a, a strange reaction to it, but I certainly, when I'm here, I'm I'm proud to tell the story of Whitney because it is a story of my family, it is a story of my community, but I think that Whitney is one of the plantations, or maybe the only plantation, that the community feels is at least, you know, paying acknowledgement to this system um, in a way that they feel should be acknowledged.
1: Today, Whitney is well-known along River Road, but that wasn't the case the day it opened five years ago.
3: And I was out there ready to meet the throngs of people who were coming. Four people came. Two of them were lost looking for the Laura Plantation, but I kept them there to take the tour.
1: John Cummings is the founder of Whitney. He's a former attorney from New Orleans. He bought the property back in 1999 from a petrochemical company that planned to build a factory on the land. After Cummings read more about the history of slavery at the plantation, he got to work turning it into a museum.
3: Here's what happened. We got it. And again, we didn't know what the hell we were going to do. We really didn't. Uh, Most people operate under uh, a regime of ready, aim, fire, and we operated under ready, fire, and and aim
1: and see if we did anything good. And if we didn't, Just go back and change it. He spent 15 years and $10 million creating what's there today. Whitney has come a long way since four people showed up on opening day. They expect more than 100,000 visitors by the end of this year.
3: It's just rewarding that the people who go there go back and tell everybody about it. And then they come. And so what we're doing here representing the facts of slavery, unvarnished. And sometimes they're not pleasant. But we think it's important that people come to see them because these facts were deliberately withheld
1: from them in their education. I asked Cummings what it's like for him walking around Whitney and what really stands out on the grounds.
3: This church that we have, it's the Antioch Church, but it was originally... Antioch. It was built by men and women who had been freed from slavery for only two years.
0: Okay, so we'll just pop in here real quick. It's a very old church. It was built by formerly enslaved people. When the congregants purchased the land, in uh, 1868, it was two parcels of land in Paulina. And in that document, it says that the purchase of the land was for the purpose of building the Anti-Yoke Baptist Church. And it's anti, capital A, N-T-I, hyphen, capital Y, O-K-E. So it's, it's in there multiple times. We know that's not a mistake. And it's something really interesting and quite beautiful, I think, to us that these formerly enslaved people named their congregation anti-yoke, and a yoke being a symbol of oppression and slavery, that for them was only three years in the past. There were
1: three men As we stood inside the church, Rogers told me about its first congregants in the 1860s, how they had to pull all their money and resources together to buy the land and build the church in Paulina, Louisiana, and how formerly enslaved people built churches like this to unite their families and communities.
0: I think that's something that you can feel in a space like this. I, I love to think about what would those first worship services have felt like for those formerly enslaved people who had had to pray in, in secret, who had had to hide you know, their uh, familial or community connections because of the structure of slavery. What would have felt like to be free in a space like this?
1: Scattered throughout the church are more than a dozen life-size statues of children. They're meant to give an imagined face to the kids who were enslaved at the plantation. As we walked across the grounds, Rogers told me of other ways visitors are encouraged to remember those who endured slavery at Whitney. For example, at the beginning of the tour, everybody gets a card profiling a different person.
0: So many museums do that and they do it in a way where it's like, then you find out what happened to your person and like, you are that person for the day. And that's not our intention. <laughs> we never tell people that's what it is, but they assume it. So they'll walk in and they'll go, oh, I'm Hannah today. And we're like, no, you're not. <laughs> I mean, we really wanted that those tags to be a way for you to keep a person with you, keep a memory of a person with you. I bristle at the idea of trying to make people imagine that they are enslaved people. Nobody alive today can imagine what it was like to be an enslaved person who was taken from Africa and forced across the Atlantic in the Middle Passage and enslaved here, right? This is, even to the extent that there's modern day slavery, we're talking about fundamentally different things. We just can't understand that that way. And I don't want to put a visitor in that space.
1: As Rogers showed me the rest of the plantation, a summer thunderstorm was brewing in the distance. But before the rain swept in, she showed me inside one more building.
0: So this is an original slave cabin, which still has cypress planks. You can see that there's no insulation here. It's a very, very simple style of construction. It would have been cold. It would have been hot. The rain came in. Um, And usually, you know, during slavery, cabins like this, so two different families would have lived in a cabin of this size. So you have basically a room and a half for a whole family. How many people would live in the cabin depends on the size of the family. So I'll give you an example. So there was a woman on this plantation. Her name was Francoise. And um, she had her first child at the age of 13. Um, She continued to have children. She had five children by the time she was 23. But that means that one side here, this front room with a bed or just pallet on the floor would be the the sleeping quarters, the living quarters, the dining quarters, the cooking quarters for Francoise, and whoever else she's living with, which could be to the order of five more people.
1: The storm soon arrived with a steady downpour, so we retreated back to the Welcome Center. Inside the building, there's a long wall that's filled with notes from visitors recounting their experience at the museum, like a big public guest book. Both Rogers and Joy Banner say even though Whitney grapples with a tough topic, they're encouraged to see how the site changes those who visit.
0: You know, when we talk about slavery and public interpretation, one of the things we talk about is that the words that we have as visitors to describe our experience don't always fit with what we learned. So when you're learning about the history of trauma and tragedy, it's hard to say that you had a good visit or that you are happy that you came, but that impulse is there, right? So. I always say to visitors when they reach out to me that I'm glad that they had an impactful visit and I'm glad that they had a meaningful visit. I
2: encourage anyone who has a historical site or a home or attraction um, where slavery or a difficult topic is involved, you know, I would encourage them to embrace it because people want the truth and they appreciate the truth.